Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Crisis. The word originates in Latin, used by Hippocrates to indicate a turning point in a sickness. Now, the turning point was the moment a patient grew better or worse. A crisis then represents the watershed moment, the moment when things improve or decline. A crisis is when who you are, what you are, what you have are threatened, and you're not sure about things anymore. The earth has suddenly moved under your feet. Relationships have failed you. Dreams may have gone up in smoke. What you have worked for seems such a waste, and you start to question, am I going to make it? There are Bible moments to describe these. Joseph sold into Egypt. A crisis was when Moses stood before an immense Red Sea. Three Hebrew children facing a fiery furnace certainly defined as a crisis. Or Daniel facing a lion's den. Paul overboard in an ocean all night long. This world today is no stranger to crisis. In fact, it's crisis upon crisis, wave upon wave. We have so many crises that we don't know which one to face at times. We have a health care crisis, financial crisis, jobs, political. I won't go into the source behind all of this. I do believe it's reaping day in a way. There is a reckoning that has come. But I'm speaking to people who are not of this world. Your citizenship is in heaven. Your hope is beyond this life. You have an anchor of the soul. How do you survive and thrive during these seasons? How can you grow in times of crisis? Hello, my name is Ken Gurley, and here on Daily Devotion this week, we've been talking about stretching ourselves, and crisis represents that moment where we are stretched beyond ourselves. There's a phrase found in that great messianic chapter of Isaiah, chapter 53, Where Jesus is described, we see the rigors of Calvary, the time of testing, the purpose behind it all. Our Lord is described there as a root out of dry ground, that he springs forth when the ground was hard, rocky, seemingly incapable of growth, but he comes alive. I think that's what we're seeing and will see in the day that we're living in people coming to life from impossible situations, growing in and through times of crisis. First, let me deal with the question of why some believers don't grow in times of crisis. There are four reasons. First is faithlessness. Jesus asked, how is it you have no faith? Faith pleases God. Faith says, I will live to worship another day. Faith is a shield to protect what God is doing with us. The second is isolation. We are trying to do it all by ourselves. We have a go-it-alone mentality, and it cannot and will not happen without others. Rebellion is another reason we are in direct opposition with God. We are fighting God. We're insisting on our own will and way and not His. Then here's the fourth reason, and it's a big one, an unforgiving spirit. Rather than pushing up and through the rocky soil, We are clinging to old stuff. We are holding to grudges. 
You will not get through this crisis holding on to that stuff, nor will you get through this crisis by anger and temper tantrums. You will not get through by money, talent, or mind games, lies. You will not get through this fighting God, fighting others. You will get through this time when you look holy and completely to Him. To be a root out of dry ground, to grow in times of crisis, there are a few things that you and I must fully appreciate. First, we need to know that God is still on His throne. The saying originated on the cusp of the Second World War. It has many variations. It's rooted actually in sarcasm. When someone tried to tell someone else what to do and the response would be, who died and made you boss? Who died and made you king? When we start to feel that if it is to be, it's all up to me, then we need to remember our Lord is not dead. He's alive and he still occupies the throne and he will have his way even in times of crisis. When you look in scripture and you see who caught a glimpse of God on his throne, generally you're looking at a time of crisis. Jacob at Bethel, in the crisis of his life, saw God at the top of a staircase. Ezekiel was in captivity, caught a glimpse of the Lord high and on his throne. Stephen, as he was being stoned, Paul through untold sufferings. John, banished and exiled. Do you get the picture? That when life gets rough, when we enter crisis, we need to be reminded that God is still on his throne. And during this season, this season of trial and pain and loss and hurt, it's easy to forget that God still reigns, but he does. Habakkuk said, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. It's a consolation to know that God is large and in charge. And amidst the chaos, he's still at work. You may not see him working, but we know that he is. He's on his throne. He reigns. He's not dead. You and I are not God. He's alive and he is at work. Let God be God. Let God arise and your enemies be scattered in times of crisis. That knowledge that he's large in charge, he's alive and on his throne will keep you from making some of the most unusual decisions of your life. Here's the second thing we need. We need to let go of what's not in our control. Since God is on his throne, there are things that belong to God that don't belong to us. There are things that only he can control. We are not God. He is. Lordship is not a popular concept, but it's a freeing one. He's not just king of kings. He occupies that throne. He is Lord of lords. His will will be magnified. Was Reinhold Niebuhr, perhaps one of the most celebrated Christian leaders of the 20th century, was in the midst of the Great Depression. He coined a prayer, a prayer that has been used often ever since. God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting, Lord, that you will make all things right, if I surrender to your will, 
so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next life. An abbreviated form of this prayer is used in nearly every 12-step program. It's called the serenity prayer. What most of us suffer in times of crisis is coming to grips with the things that are out of our control, things and people who have hurt us. Someone made a decision that wronged us. We try to control a situation that cannot be controlled, and it adds to our anxieties and frustrations. Releasing things through prayer to His care, that's a way to grow in times of crisis. Are we doing all right out there today? I hope so. Here's the third thing. Appreciate the worth of trials. It's a common theme in my writing and my speaking, common because we all struggle with this. We want the good but resist anything that looks bad. But quite often it's the bad that brings the good. We look at this present world and think, how can anything good come from this? But God promised to work all things together for good. As James said, let patience have her perfect work. If you will patiently hold on, something good will come from this. So rather than asking, how can I get out of this trial? Ask God, what are you trying to teach me during this trial? Here's the fourth thing we need to remember in a crisis. Stay strong in the Lord. To be strong in God, the power of his might, is the only way you're going to have the courage to face the world. We can't and will not have the strength to survive on our own. Stay strong in the Lord through the reading of God's word. We need the bread of God. We need spiritual sustenance. It was the divine mandate in Exodus 25, always keep fresh bread of the presence on the table before me. Without the word, you can fall by the wayside. Without the strength of God, you can't make it on your own. Pick up your Bible reading. Form a group dedicated to Bible reading. Hold each other accountable. Are you going to let the media's thoughts dominate your thoughts? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's the root out of dry ground. He's the Christ of all crises. We need to think his thoughts. Here's the fifth thing to remember when facing a crisis. Purpose to honor God. Above all else, God must receive glory from our lives. What brings him glory? Our looking to him, leaning on him, trusting in him never deviating from pleasing Him. May God receive honor from our lives. It was said of the prophet Samuel that not one word of his fell to the ground. It was said of Job, in all of these things he did not sin. He honored God. I want to bring honor and glory to Him. It's not just a song we sing. Down through ages, great crises makes great saints. Saints who say, I will bring honor to God. Paul said the love of Christ constrains us. It compels us. It compelled a man named Telemachus from Asia Minor to journey to Rome in 400 AD. Christianity was allegedly the religion of Rome, but the game still continued in the Colosseum. Swept up in the crowd, Telemachus was carried into that old arena. And there, to his horror, he saw gladiators slaying one another. He wasn't immune to it or calloused by it. He wasn't accustomed to people hurting people like this. Before he knew what he was doing, Telemachus raced from the stands, leapt into the arena, and began darting back and forth between the fighters, saying, Stop, stop. In the name of Christ, I beg you to stop. 
The crowd at first was amused by him, but when they heard what he was saying, they began to cry that someone should kill him, and the gladiator obliged and ran a sword through him. The audience pelted him with trash and stones. His last words were heard, stop, stop. In the name of Christ, I beg you to stop. He died, but not in vain. The emperor that day issued an edict forbidding all future games. The love of Christ compels us. Here's the sixth thing in times of crisis. Receive the love of God. God cares what you're going through. You can cast all your care on him. He will be with you in the times of crisis. So if you want to stretch and if you want to grow in times of crisis, because every crisis is a growing point in your life, then here are the six things. Know that God is still on his throne. Let go of what is not in your control. Appreciate all the worth of your trials. Stay strong in the Lord. Purpose to honor God and receive the love of God. And if you will do those six things, you will notice something happening to you when you are challenged in your life. When the circumstances come against you, when former friends turn around and betray you, when backslappers become backstabbers, and you enter into the crisis of your life, I want you to set your gaze on heaven like never before, because the Christ of all crises will show up. He will stretch you, cause you to grow. You will come out of that crisis like gold in a crucible, pure gold tried by the fire. And the Lord has something special, a new you on the other side. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.